Off the Ball with the BetDAC Exchange on your desktop or on your mobile. Available from the App Store or at BetDAC.com. <laughs> I really wish you could have got the good stuff from the ad break. <laughs> Brian, we're just going to bring it even to you. How are you? Good evening. How's it going? Really good. Really good. Uh, by Woolley's reasoning, if Dublin won the All Ireland minor hurling final against Kilkenny but then lost the senior match, they would have to relinquish the minor crown, says Dave, the electric blind man. How are you, Dave? Jesus, how many Woolies does it take to change a light bulb? Asked another Dave. Uh, Ken Megan, Woolley is obviously using conquer rules in his theory for winning championships. <laughs> I should have just admitted I was wrong at the start. And that's yeah, there's a life lesson in that. <laughs> uh, we do have rugby news. Yeah, lots of rugby news today, Ger. Uh Starting with Joe Schmidt, he was on the breakfast show uh, this morning uh, and says, uh, first of all, it gave Ivan pretty short shrift when asked... Uh, who the next Ireland captain should be. Uh, he's got to dis- make that decision obviously in the next couple of weeks if he hasn't done so already. Uh, but he was a little bit more revealing. It was, it was along the lines of, have you made the decision? No. That was it. Yeah, that I was heard it. it, heard it. Um, I think it might have been the mention of Pete O'Mahony, the fact that he's gone Six Nations. I think Joe wasn't too enamoured with him being an option for this year, Six Nations, from the st- captaining from the stand. So yeah, he did. it was it was a short change, all right. Yeah, he's got to come down, whisper in the. Do have to check with the captain? Yeah, a, a little bit more effusive uh, about Andy Farrell, of course, uh, who is appointed Ireland's next defensive coach this week. I think Andy's got a, a real breadth of experience, and he's uh, he made an incredibly positive impression on um, on the players who were involved in the 2013 Lions tour. So uh, yeah, look, he's uh, he's got a proven track record, and I I, I think that. Uh, He'll bring a, a, a real freshness to the group. Um, you know, we're obviously um, disappointed that, uh, that that Les isn't with us because he's he's been such a, a good operator for us. So, uh, um, look, I've, I, I'm really excited about Andy coming in, and I think um, you know the vast majority of the players who have uh, who have heard that he's coming in have, have been really enthusiastic about it. Yeah, we're gonna, we'll go into a bit of detail on this when we get Keith up in yeah. a couple of minutes' time, but uh, you were fast out of the blocks on Twitter to say this is a good idea. Yeah, I think it is. Um, I, listen, I'm not... I'm, I'm, I'm a promoter, obviously, of all things Irish, and Irish coaching, fantastic, if you if the right guy's there. But if it, if he's not, and they're not available, you go for one of the mes- best next coaches. And um, I wasn't involved in the England camp, and none of, none of us were, so we don't really know what went on. But only from what I saw in the Lions in 2013, this guy's a really good defensive coach, very good motivator, good speaker, passionate about defence. And I think he will probably be kept on a bit more, a bit of a tighter leash maybe than he was in the English setup uh, yeah. by Joe. Okay. Were you, were you shocked by it? No, 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 no. I'd heard, I'd heard rumblings. Okay. The first time you heard about it, were you shocked? <laughs> <laughs> no, no, I wasn't. Um, because... Because he's a good coach, so I wouldn't say I was shocked. I was glad to hear that his name was mentioned because I think um, also, you know, a strong character like that, you know, to challenge Joe was probably a good thing. There aren't a whole heap of defensive coaches out there, are there? Like, do does every club team have a, a an international quality? Bizarrely, the, do you know what? A, a lot of the these defensive coaches co- have come from rugby league, but were brutal defenders themselves right. in league. You know, <laughs> so Mike Ford started out, um, uh, Edwards. Um, Sean Edwards. Sean, yeah, um, he wasn't a great defender. Right, he was really? a, he's a super tough guy, but I don't think he was a very good defender, uh, from from what I've heard. So these guys, it's about organisation. They know how to do it, but maybe physically, 
you know, weren't. I, I'd imagine Sean was a bit of a better defender than, than Mike Ford. Yeah, I, I did Ford's hear a story guy, about right? yeah, Mike Ford getting hidden in the backfield as much as possible, and they tried their level best for him to never make it. Right, so he could see it all. So he could control things in attack, but yeah. defensively, yeah. So he knew he knew what he wanted. He just wasn't able to do it himself very effectively while he was a player. And why are there no good union guys coming through at this stage? Or are there some that we just never hear about? Paul Gustard uh, coming through from Saracens now, the new English. The English defensive coach uh, comes highly rated, uh, played in Leicester and then as, as coach in Saracens for, okay. for a number of years. He's meant to be very, very good. He's one of Eddie Jones' new team. He, he is, yeah. Okay. So, um, yeah, um, I think they've jumped around in, down in New Zealand. Wayne Smith took over, was attacking the last World Cup. He was defence this World Cup. So, That's interesting, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, he's able to mix and match. I think Wayne Smith is, is meant to be one of the best coaches around, right. bar none. It's just the fact that he likes to set up in New Zealand. He's based there now. I don't know about his family situation, but I know Stuart Lancaster, I, I believe he tried to get him uh, last time round and uh, Wayne decided to stay put in New Zealand. Probably because there's a good job coming up there at some point. Yeah, I don't even know if he's if he's necessarily if he eyes right, the okay. top job himself. Yeah. I think he's happy, you know, being an assistant coach. That's where you know he's been head coach at Northampton. I don't think it worked out brilliantly. He's, he thrives as an assistant coach. There are some people who just are like that. Yeah. Uh, Leinster in action tonight in the Guinness Pro 12 targeting top spot in the table Jamie Heaslip Sean O'Brien Luke Fitzgerald and Ethan Athewa amongst the players who returned to the Leinster team for that trip to face the Ospreys Leo Cullen's men go, uh, will go top with a win it's a 7.45 kickoff can, at Liberty Stadium Can I ask a question um, is it Nathewa or Nathewa? Keane says Nathewa I, I think he'll probably answer to both <laughs> which, which is it though I want to know Keane's right it's 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 Nathewa. Is it Nathewa? Yeah. I would never have called him Nathewa. No? No. Okay. I'd have called him Isa. Isa. <laughs> <laughs> but then you had that kind of relationship with him. <laughs> <laughs> um, Leicester have kind of turned it around over the last couple of weeks. Uh, they've gone from being this team who were not very good to now being a team who look a bit more like themselves and they're starting to get a bit of confidence. And Yeah, better. That's what winning does. Yeah. Um, I don't think they were... Listen, I just I watched was that Connacht game, the second half of it today and it was not easy viewing yeah. but they won and there was never going to be good rugby in those conditions even the Munster game I don't think either side were fantastic but they were better than a poor Munster team yeah are they starting to look like yeah they are they're getting there and they, they were even getting there in the in the two, in the Toulon games both the first the first half in both games I thought they were pretty good yeah just ran out of a bit of pace or a bit of gas and, and then you know when you've got a bench that comes off against you like, like Toulon have you're going to always be up against it and sticking Sean O'Brien back in the team it turns out that he's very important <laughs> he is so vital he is so vital even coming off the bench in that kind of game he just gives this f- huge physical directness that no one else can, can supply yeah so and I think teams are intimidated by that they definitely are particularly teams that are aware of him when they see him coming they know what's, what, what's coming at them but you just can't cope with it and I guess that changes their entire approach in defence and opens up space for everybody else as well yeah and, and do you know what Sean has adapted his game a little bit too of, of attracting players in you know, carry three times and then offload the fourth so it's having the little subtlety to your game to make sure that you keep teams guessing yeah so the doom and gloom around Leinster has shifted a little bit Like it's hard for that to seem that important because it's not happening in the big European games but these games are really important for Leo and for the coaching tickets and just so that it's now not constantly against a barrage of shit, basically. Yeah, I, I think as well, what someone made a really good point to me that what maybe Leo needs to do for the rest of the year is play the combinations that you're going to see in the future. So play Sexton, Luke Fitzgerald, 
and ring rose together because that is a future. Maybe that's the hope that Leinster faithful need to come back and and thrive on. Yes, you're not going to be involved in Champions Cup. You're not winning. You know, you might win the the Pro 12 at the end of the year. But yeah. this is about seeing the birth of this new Leinster team coming through, and yeah. that's why you're you know, being dragged back to the games. Yeah. That's, right. usually, that's usually what managers do to buy themselves a bit of time. They put a lot of young fellas in and say, we're building for the future. Uh, and you that's, know. Um, you know, it's fair, I suppose it's fair enough. You, you have to, you can be a bit of a cynic about it and go, maybe they are. But also what they are doing is actually blooding these guys. So it's a perfect situation where they're gone from Europe. Um, and now you look at the situation also that Ben Teo is going. So yeah. he's not... And, you know he's not latching on to the Leinster thing next year so of course for me you have to go with Gary Ringrose irrespective of whether you know his performances are as good as Tio's yeah and they have been and yeah. in a way you kind of hope that Ringrose and Van der Fleer it'd be great for them to get involved in the Six Nations but maybe it's better for them if they don't yeah I, I, it's, it's funny you know because I, I floated out a, a tweet over Christmas saying that you know Ireland could do worse than having Gary play in, against Wales on the 7th of, of uh, February and I'm not backtracking but I said they could do worse of worse than that. I'm not saying he has to guarantee a start. Yeah. But I can think of lots of other combinations that would be a lot a lot worse than a combination of Gary plus one. I think it's probably a Six Nations too early. Maybe he should be in their training camp, but okay, definitely, so definitely, definitely gets uh, captain the summer on a three test tour to South Africa. Right. Yeah. Well, maybe you'd prefer to get captain the Six Nations than your first captain. Probably. <laughs> nice probably. Probably. Italy, probably. Italy, probably. <laughs> Italy at home. Uh, Munster, Ulster and Connacht also named their teams today ahead of their respective matches over the weekend Munster close to full strength for tomorrow's trip to Paris to face Stade Francais Dunica Ryan the only one really of their recent injury concerns to have missed out Conor Murray returns to partner Ian Keatley uh, Keith Earls and Andrew Conway are back in the back three alongside Simon Zebo. fit again Dave Foley will deputise for Ryan in the second row and Tommy O'Donnell makes his first European appearance of the season uh, playing alongside Robin Copeland and CJ Stander in the back row Stade meanwhile without a bunch of their first choice players Pascal Pape Will Genia and Raphael Lacafia all missing France prop Rabbi Slimani is only on the bench as is their highly rated uh, centre Julian Dante Sergio Parise though will skipper stad tomorrow and uh, Munster's number 8 CJ Standers looking forward to going up against a player he idolised when he was younger when I was probably younger I looked at a few stuff that he did you know and um, going into that um, it'll be, it's going to be a great um, occasion to go toe to toe with the best in the world and see what what's the result of it you know and um, that's the type of guy you need to clamp down early in the match um, if you can but he's, oh, he's unreadable so you um, you just need to play your game and concentrate on your job uh, elsewhere Ulster's director of rugby Les Kiss has opted to mix up his squad for Sunday's trip to Oyana which will be the first of three European games in a row for the province Paddy Jackson and Ruan Pinar are on the bench so it's Ian Humphreys and Paul Marshall who started halfback Sam Arnold makes his first Euro- starts his first European game on the wing uh, Craig Gilroy returns a fullback Ricky Lutton Lewis Stevenson and Roger Wilson come into the uh, forward pack for Ulster and Connacht on Pro 12 detail this weekend Pat Lamb's side visit uh, the current league leaders the Scarlet on Sunday and he's made one change for the game Alton Delan fresh from training with the Ireland squad swaps places with Ali Muldowney who slips to the bench Jake Heenan continues at open side flanker after making his first appearance of the season just last week We'll go into a bit more detail on the Ulster team and preview the Munster game uh, when we get Woody on in just a couple of minutes time uh, Owen is texted in to say watching on Newstalk.com lads you're looking well but are Woody and Draco not Scarlet they're wearing the same top same top same jeans same top same jeans slight difference though not the same schneeks. <laughs> no, no, no. 
The kicks and are uh, multicolored tonight. Draco's just found out about the oversized look is in, so he might uh, up his game next week. <laughs> We're all just learning now. We are. It's brand new news coming from the fashion icon. <laughs> <laughs> We're going to take a quick break. We're back uh, talking with Keith Wood as well. Off the ball with betdac.com for great odds on Premier League singles and multiples every weekend. To celebrate next week's release of US box office smash Creed, Metro Goldwyn Mayer Pictures and Warner Brothers Pictures have teamed up with Off the Ball to give you the chance to win tickets to attend a special preview screening on Monday night, the 11th of January, at the Savoy Cinema, O'Connell Street. To enter, just tell us who played the title character, who played the title character's father, Apollo, in the Rocky movies. Well, that's hard. Text Creed 53106 along with your name and answer, and we'll be in touch with the uh, winners later on tonight. Same dude who plays Lando Calrissian, right? I still don't know his name though. IMDb. Which? IMDb. Oh yeah, perfect. Um, it's on Monday night. You have to be available to go to it at the Savoy in O'Connell Street and it's really worth going to because it's really good. So, Brian O'Driscoll is with us. We've got Keith Wood on the line. Keith, good, good evening. Good evening. How, How are you doing? Very well, thank you. You're a fan of the Rocky movies, right Keith? Um, Rocky 3, I remember going to watch it in Morgan's Barn, Ballina all those years ago. I'd say 86 or 87. Would that be right? Probably. I'm taking your word for it. Okay. You're not older than I am, Jer. No. No, no, okay. <laughs> That's just mean. <laughs> it's um, a hard paper round, isn't it? It is, yeah. Here, we're talking about Andy Farrell. 1982. So, 1982. Yeah. 82, well, maybe I'm older than I thought well, I was. There you go, he's trying to sneak some years into this. Let's go into a bit more detail about Andy Farrell and the Lions. Um, why was he good? What what kind of stuff is he doing? What are you learning <clears> from him? Um, not necessarily learning a whole lot of new things, just... It's nice hearing a new, a fresh voice. Um, just you know, there's it's the small little details I think that are are the difference in in really focusing on on important areas. Like a lot of the same messaging would would have gone across the the four uh, national teams involved. So that you know their defensive coaches would have had their own policies and and their own technical terms. So you would have heard an awful lot of it. It's just the manner in which he gets it across and the excitement that he generates from defence and how when you when you kick. You know, and people talk, uh, you know, talk about kick chase not being very exciting. It's it doesn't sound very exciting, but he makes it exciting and brings that intensity and makes that defense turn into attack. It's the first form of attack, and it's just the way that he messaged it. And he was specifically a defensive coach because Rob Haley was there for attack. Gats was overseeing everything. Uh, there was a kicking coach, so he was just there to focus on it. I just thought he brought a great energy to his sessions, and you know when we were in meetings and going through analysis, I just thought it was, it was he wanted to go out and defend for him. Because it's very important that everybody has respect for the coaches and the coaching tickets. And after the World Cup that England have had, the fear I think from the outside of the rugby community, like the casual watchers and the journalists, was like, this guy's got a bit of baggage from that. People are speculating about his role in team selection, the whole Burgess thing, and uh, you know, there's a bit of a stink around him, right? Mm. And so the assumption would be, well, maybe the players aren't going to have that much respect for him. Obviously, they have, of course, they're going to have respect for what Schmidt does, but it's tenuous enough, you know, if players don't respect him. Yeah, but I think all the guys that would have been involved in that Lions tour would have respect for him, and there's still enough of them there. Yeah. There's still a core of five or six anyway. So you look at those guys, and, and they're the ones that that hold the control. They're the ones that you have to affect. Get in and get the senior players first. And if you already have them, there'll be a knock on effect to everyone else in the squad. If, you know, if Sexto and 
and um, Connor Murray and Sean O'Brien and all those lads are talking about how great he is and how you know what a great energy he brings. The knock-on effect to the new guys, Stuart McCluskey and Gary Ringrose and these guys coming through. And you guys respect him straight away, though. That's yeah. Like I, I played against him, and he was for me he was a better league player than he was a union player. He was a reasonable union player. And nothing fantastic. Yeah, uh, he was coming to the to the winter of his of his career, obviously from an from an age profile point of view. But I I thought he was a really good coach. It just you he, he only had twenty minutes or probably fifteen twenty minutes to do his defensive session each day, or you know maybe three times in the week. Yeah, and you didn't bore of any of it yeah. throughout the course of a seven week uh, tour. So it was fresh ideas and high intensity and. Yeah, like I said before, he he made you want to defend as best as possible and be, you know, the best for the team. Yeah, Keith, what was your take when you heard it? Um, I was pretty happy, I have to say. I mean, I I don't know him very well. I've met him a couple of times. Um, I, I liked playing with and um, being coached by rugby league guys um, at different times in my career because they had an ability of of making it very simple. And you want it to be very simple. You don't want to have to think about what you're doing. You just want it to be pretty natural. And the easier it is, especially in defense, especially if you're coming up out of a rook or out of a scrum when your your brain is kind of fizzing slightly and you're trying to get into position, you want something that's absolutely um, simplicity personified. And I think they do that an awful lot. The reason I liked the idea of, of Farrell coming into it is he is a big personality in his own right. He is a strong, you know, Northern English guy, opinionated um, and I actually think that'll be very good for Joe Smith I think it's very good to have um, a strong guy who believes in what he believes and I don't think he's going to sit down yes he's there for defence but I don't think he'll sit away and not have an opinion on other elements and I think Joe Smith is more than strong enough to be able to fight his own corner but also strong enough and hopefully strong enough to listen to a different way of doing things and to be able to and improve with it. And and for me, the bad taste that was left after England, I feel an awful lot of that is down to, um, to that blend between coach and assistant coach and that actually the stronger personality um, becoming Farrell, not Lancaster. And you could see that in the nature of them if you've met any of them. Lancaster is quieter and not as authoritative, actually, as Farrell is. I don't think you could say the same with Joe Schmidt. Yeah, I actually thought it was a sign of strength from Schmidt to go, here's this very strong guy, I'm going to take him in. And it's kind of something we've been talking about, coaching tickets in, in domestic rugby in Ireland that actually you'd like to see the indigenous Irish coaches take on somebody from outside who they don't know very well who is going to be a strong personality and go here you know what I don't agree with you and challenge them yeah, yeah. and not be afraid to not not feel as though they're they're towing the party line with the greatest respect to I, I, sorry I, I haven't been coached by Simon Eastby I've been I've played um, with them and I, so I don't know what type of coach he is um, but I would say you know Richie and, and Greg Feek with the greatest respect they're not people that uh, I would really would would be synonymous, or I would I would imagine would be very confrontational to Joe's way of thinking. And I think having a strong character like uh, like uh, Farrell coming in, I think will be really good for Joe and for the other coaches and for the players too to see the to see them argue eight points and not only have it as the Joe way and the Joe show. Yeah. Can I ask Brian when when you were there? And it's a presumption I'd have from the outside. Did you fight your corner all the time with Joe Schmidt? No, I I I, I picked my moments. Yeah. So I knew that I had to, I had to be 
85, 90% right in my in my thoughts and in in my thinking of you know what ideas I want to get across if I was to challenge a concept that he had come up with. Was he stronger by having you there than challenging some of those aspects? I don't know. You'd have to. You'd have to. Is this in front I, of people or is it? Yeah, no, yeah. in front of people. Yeah. I obviously, but even still, because there's a little bit of the school teacher, you know, that you're a small bit afraid of with Joe, and it still, it still remains the same. I meet him every so often, and I'd still be a small bit on edge, making sure that I'd want to have my ducks in a row and yeah. I'd know what I'm talking about, and have having seen the footage that we're going to be talking about, yeah, um, to be able to comment properly on it. Uh, because he he's not someone that you know re- really sugarcoats his um, his opinion. He won't kind of go yeah 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 when he doesn't agree with you. He'll go nah no. He's just a straight no. Yeah exactly. So <laughs> it would have always lent me to I would always lent to making sure that if I did have a point that I wanted to challenge with him, that there was a fair bit of theory behind and a fair bit of substance behind what I was thinking. Yeah. And, he and, does and try, rationale for, for challenging what he has come up with. He does try and do that to the media even now, um, in that if somebody asks him a question, he'll challenge back on all their assumptions and everything. He tries to, t- tries to take control of that situation with it. Is it, is it that sense that goes on within in the squad? Is that is that a negative as well as a positive? I can, yeah, I Brian? think it can be. Yeah, I think it can be. I think... Um, he has it's it's definitely his strength that he has such a strong belief in what he's saying what he's he's talking about and trying to implement in the team that at the same time you can you can blindside yourself a small bit that you don't allow another another you know prerogative or another opinion coming in where it could actually help you so i, I that's why i do think that farrell coming in being a strong individual strong person with strong beliefs um will be a real asset to to joe and it's it's not safe for Joe, which I really like. Yeah, it's not. You can go with a safe. You can go with someone that will again be you know maybe someone that, that'll be a, a little bit of a yes man and and just listen to what you have to say. And Joe does still like to control things. Of course he does. But when you have a strong character come in, it it, it gives him an opportunity. Gives Farrell an opportunity to take control of the defense a lot more and take it away from Joe. Yeah. If he'd picked an up-and-comer, that up-and-comer is always going to feel a sense of obligation to him, whereas this is somebody who will feel that they've a CV and a solid work behind them, been on a Lions tour, been at a World Cup, and goes, well, no, I'm, I'm like, if you're quizzing me and my, my viewpoints, they're well thought out. And also, he, you know, he's, he's English. Let's not lose, lose fact of that. It's the national Irish national team. Yes, we've had English coaches before, but he's just come from coaching England as well. His son is the 10, the likely starting 10, or 12 in, in the Six Nations. Yeah. Um, so he's going to have to, and you, you know, I saw all the messages on, on Twitter and, and in the media about um, you know, people talking about ha- try, trying to uh, build, you know, Shawnee and maybe Stander and, and Jamie up to, to go after his son. That'll be an interesting conversation. But, you know, he's a professional guy and he's a guy that wants to do well in his career. So I don't think we should have any concerns about that. Yeah. Uh, bringing in someone with a strong character, says this texter, shows that the team and not the ego comes first. For example, Jake White and Eddie Jones in 2007. That's a good example, Keith. This this works before? Well, it can work and it can be a disaster. Um, but, you know, the pleasure of this is this is Joe's choice. And so he gets the opportunity to put his team in place and his, his element in place. Um, 
I would say from one of the comments you made, Chair, about if there's a new up-and-coming guy and maybe because he's been given the, the role, he wouldn't. I think an awful lot depends on the character of the individual. You could be very experienced and not be a guy who will challenge the top guy. But I don't think Farrell is that one. I think it comes down to individual characters of what they're able to say themselves and how strong they are to stand behind it. And I mean, it becomes very important. And especially, I think, if when we look back at the World Cup that we've had, and in some respects, a lot of things have been glossed over because of the injuries that were there. And I don't think Ireland can can perform well with those injuries. But I also think we didn't play well in the World Cup. So... You know, you kind of gloss over and sidestep some of the the failures we'd have in the World Cup. You need to challenge every single assumption that you're doing. And if the other coaches aren't strong enough to do that, then there's a hole in the system. And I like the fact that Farrell's a bit balshy and um, and he does have a very good pedigree and he has done very well as a coach with the exception of the World Cup that's just gone so he gets an opportunity to get back on the horse straight away don't you know he's going to put everything into it irrespective of it not being his his national country but having the opportunity to be on the world stage immediately after what is on his um, uh, CV a big blot I think I think as well from an Irish perspective I, I spoke with, with Gavin Comsky today doing an article on, on a black t- black rock team a senior cup team that was that's 20 years uh, out fr- from 96 so is this the one you missed all the kicks on? Was that? No, 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 that was the next year. Right. Um, there were drop goals. Oh, right. um, but um, so I was talking to him and he, he brought to my attention historically the last two World Cups, how badly we'd done in the subsequent Six Nations, really badly in, in 2008 and very poorly in, in 2012. Um, I think we finished maybe fourth and fifth in the two in the two of them or somewhere there. So, you know, certainly very different than the, than the previous and the, and the subsequent um, Six Nations. So there's a big onus now on making sure that yes, we were disappointed with the eventual outcome of the World Cup, but you've got to not wallow in your own your own self pity and make sure you, you're able to kick on and continue improving. Particularly when you're losing guys of the caliber of Paul O'Connell, and make sure that you know it's not all doom and gloom. That yeah. we are able to our strength and depth is strong enough to be able to lose players like that and still continue. Yeah. Um. He's not available until after this, though. No. So kind of like that extra voice for these next couple of months might have been very valuable. It might have been, yeah. <clears throat> I mean, who knows? Maybe they're WhatsApping secretly, obviously not breaching the terms of any contract or whatever. But uh, yeah. One last question. The stink around him and the fact that he's going to be completely now the scapegoat for the English media. It's kind of handy, Keith, that they have this guy who's, you know, treacherously joining Ireland and selling the state secrets. Um, does that matter at all? Really, that's all dead from an Ireland perspective. Yeah, not e- not even vaguely. I mean, you can't you can't sack a guy and then call him a scapegoat afterwards because um, he goes somewhere else. I mean, watch them though. <laughs> watch, well, watch, sure. Look, watch we, the we can we, senior players. It's all Andy Farrell's fault. Well, we'll suddenly be, stand up in his defence as well. Then you know we we'll fight back. Why not? You know, I look. It's it's all part of the theatre of the whole thing, really. And you know, it's funny. And, you know, Brian, obviously far more recently than I am, but the game changes and the game has changed from professional. I was there at the very start of the professional and the whole thing was carnage and it changes and changes and changes. And what has changed is that professional means doing a job. So these guys have to work all the time. We still haven't quite got our head around that in Ireland. When we think of our last two national coaches, uh, you know, have really, really struggled to get rugby jobs afterwards. You know, professional rugby is about working. It's about either playing or coaching at it, or 
for you know for us maybe working a little bit in the media and um it's it's we haven't quite got our head fully around that this is what a guy is supposed to do he's supposed to get the next job he lost his job he should get another job yeah and obviously has a lot of information as well it's going to be useful at some point we should talk about the games this weekend Ulster picked a different interesting team kind of a B team for INX you're thinking maybe just pick your A team and go and win the game yeah um, obviously INX are, are out of the competition I, have, I haven't I don't know their team well enough to realise what's you know first first strength and second strength also they tend to play a lot of their first strength teams when they're at home but now that they are out of the comp who knows but I'm surprised to see Ulster knowing that they have still a great opportunity. You know, they need to win this game, obviously the the return fixture at home in the final game, and then maybe pick up something in Saracens. You'd have to imagine that'll be enough to find a, a second best place um, in in that group. Yeah. Um. So I, I don't know why you rest Pinar and Jackson, two guys that have been excellent for you in the last few weeks. They're both on the bench, so it's not like they're unavailable for selection. Yeah. Yeah. I I, I don't I don't get that. I un, I know too that they've played a lot of rugby. The last four or five weeks, but and they've and they've got you know maybe they are really targeting maybe they feel they've enough against Inox away and they they're really targeting Saracens away next weekend. I don't know, but um, three European games on the bounce is is a big ask. Yeah, uh, but you'd have to imagine someone like Pinar who, who marshals himself and marshals his team very well and stays out of trouble for the most part is very capable of that. And Jackson likewise. Yeah, what did you make of that, Keith? Um, I I often say you just trust the coach. I think he thinks he picks a team that can go out there and do a job. Um, and he hasn't taken a total gamble by putting those guys on the bench and hoping that they, he can call on them if he needs to and maybe ease their way to it at the end. I mean, it is, it's hard when you go to France to win in France. But if the French teams don't have an awful lot to play for, and like we say this often, the reason we talk about the French teams away from home being so bad and that's such a dreadful stereotype is that they live up to that stereotype with frightening regularity but equally if they've nothing to play for they may barely even play and if they start very well and get into the game they may continue if they don't they may just kind of give up and that's whether they're relying on that unless Kiss is relying on that to happen I don't know but one thing I would say about Ulster is they their strength and depth seems to be very very good a lot of younger guys coming through and they trust them and I think that's a very, very important thing to do. And maybe this is the game to really put it up to them that they have to deliver on it so that they can drive on from there. And it's, it's a risk, of course it is, but you'd hope a calculated one. It's kind of exciting if they play, if they play well, that they have these players that can go to France and, and win, but it is a, a big, big risk. Craig Gil- Gilroy fullback is interesting. That back line of McCluskey and Marshall and Scholes and Arnold on the wing, it's like, this is brand new. Mm. Well, obviously not the centre pairing, but the two wingers. Scholes has played a bit recently. Arnold, I think, is very new. I think he's nineteen. Yeah. Um. So he he looks like he looks like he's been in the gym for all of his nineteen years. So he looks in good shape. But I don't know whether he can play. Obviously, if he's nineteen years of age and getting his opportunity in Europe, he must be okay. He must be showing some some uh, some pretty good skills at, at training. But it's 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 not necessarily those positions. I think Gilroy at fullback is a strange one. Um. I think he's definitely a winger and not a fullback. Uh, but it's actually the halfback pairing. Um, Humphreys is can be a small bit flaky, yeah. um, and his defence is certainly not a strong point. So, yeah, Ulster need to really start well. Saracens ripped them apart over there, 
uh, got a bonus point I think before half time uh, you, you wouldn't imagine that Ajax are going to lie down like they did that day and, and Ulster I don't think are the side that Saracens are but there's no reason that that team can't still go over and get a result and if they do they set themselves up brilliantly for that um, that, uh, that game against um, against Saracens in Allianz Park next Saturday Yeah Okay we should move on to talk about um, Munster and obviously a lot of players have actually come through the injury worries that they had Andrew Conway's at full back it's Earls and Saeli Scannell and Zebo, Keatley and Connor Murray, Dave Kilcoyne, Mike Sherry, BJ Botha, Dave Foley, Mark Chisholm, Robin Copeland, Tommy O'Donnell and CJ Stander. The difference having Tommy O'Donnell back in the team for all sorts of reasons, Keith, um, is really phenomenal. It's, it's been incredible to see the impact that he's had just from an emotional perspective on the group. It's been uh, something to kind of bring them together. But also, he just helps to relieve all the pressure that CJ Stander has to be the only one who makes carries. He does. I mean, and look, I really hope to see Copeland do a lot more. He needs to do much more. And Stander at the start of the season was man of the match in nearly everything. Every time he put on a jersey, he was man of the match. Um, but by the time he got to European competition, every team realised if you stop Stander, you stop Monster getting over the gain line. And he has been beaten up for every game since and has become very tough for him. And you can do that when there aren't other options to pass the ball onto. And you know, with Tommy coming back in, you know, I actually thought he had a stunning return to play from, you know, from horrible, horrible injury. He seems to have lost none of his, um, the zip. Um, he's fully back into it, but he's also, and I know this, I hate kind of using these lines, but he's monstered through and through, and he is a bit of a beating heart of some of the uh, the old monster that is very, very important. And when Monster got shorn of a lot of players like O'Connell, like O'Mahony, like Damien Varley. Um, even like the Leinster man, um, Felix Jones at full back, who was a serious leader for Munster, when they're suddenly out of the team, you're looking around, who is carrying that flag for Munster? Who is the one that's doing it? And it had been carried by a South African. And um, I just think it becomes a little bit easier when there's other guys there. And to be honest, having Conor Murray back, and I, I say this time and time again, but you know, Munster need to get further strength and depth at scrum half. The guys that have worn that jersey when Conor Murray hasn't been there have not done the job that has been needed for them, um, not just as a nine, but also as a leader. And they need him badly back onto the field because without him, they're struggling for leadership in the back line. Yeah, not a whole lot to add to that. I think that's a good shout. I think Conor Murray, the Conor Murray point is incredibly valid. Um, I've obviously played an awful lot with Tomás O'Leary. Um, you know, we won a, the Grand Slam together and he was a huge um, component in that. Just his confidence as, as a youngish guy then. Uh, but I don't think he's uh, he's been able to bring that same form back to Munster after his sojourn over in, in London Irish. And I think, it's again, it's such a pivotal position. You see Ulster uh, you know, having the strength of Pienaar there and he's able to almost guide them and you know help them win games holding yeah. their hand whereas when Conor Murray's not there I think uh, Munster have really struggled so he's he's going to become a huge um, element in the Irish setup as well and people haven't really touted him as a potential captain yeah. he's a quiet enough guy but yet he has everyone respects him and that's the most important thing in leadership so maybe if he starts building on, 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 on his vocals a little bit more and what he does off the pitch I think he's a potential future Irish captain as well uh, you know, if the likes of, of Pete isn't, isn't available Did Munster need to win this just to keep the momentum going or is that asking too much? No like they can, they, can they do this? Yeah they can I think you know it's it's not the the greatest um, stad team that I've ever seen. Obviously, with injuries, they've ha- they haven't been brilliant this year. I've seen them a couple of times. Yeah. They haven't been uh, fantastic. So, 
like Munster again, it's, it's the big thing over in, in France is you've got to start really well. And if you can start and 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 sow a seed of doubt into both the crowd and the players that are there um, and think, you know, this is a, they'll think the Munster team of old, the one with all the history and the respect, this, you know, this is us again. Yeah, they'll make it a tough a tough day for Stad. Yeah, a big away win um, against Ulster. Apparently they were uh, angry all week, like bears coming off the bus was what we were told. They need a similar week this week? They do, I think. You know, I look, I looked at that game. I looked at it again. It was a poor game of rugby. And I, in many respects, I can't understand how Ulster didn't get that win. And maybe they actually believed they were just going to win and didn't manage to go through with it at the end. Um, Ulster were lucky. Um, but it's great to be lucky to win in Ravenhill. That's rare, and um, for that to happen is is fantastic for them. Like Munster need to start well. They need to kick their points and take their chances. And you can't say that they've done all those things this year. So it becomes a very difficult one for them. But they do need to be angry. They do need to fight their corner. They do need not to have you know brain freeze at different times in the game. I mean, yeah, a few times in that Ulster game, I was. I think I taught my sons a few extra words because it was roaring and shouting at it. It was just, you know, some stupid things like the knock-on penalty that was given to give a chance for Ulster at the end. Now, like that was just daft. And, you know, Munster cannot afford daft because they need an awful lot of things to go right for them. An awful lot of things went wrong for Ulster. I think Munster would be very happy if Stad had the same level of error rate as Ulster had. Um, Keith, I know that you wanted to talk to us about Paddy Reid, who passed away. He was 91, but he was a member of Ireland's 1948 Grand Slam winning team. Uh, he was. Paddy was, uh, look, he passed away. He was a great man, an irascible man, I have to say. Um, he had one of those very strange histories in, in rugby in that he won a Grand Slam um, in 1948. Uh, and I know we've pictures, there's so many pictures of Brian with, with Jackie Kyle over the years, especially in 2009. And but uh, Paddy played in the centre um, and he was an incredibly small, slim guy and he went and played rugby league for Huddersfield the following season, got injured very quickly and came back to Ireland. And because he'd gone and played rugby league, uh, he got a 40-year ban. 40-year ban. 40-year <laughs> ban from rugby union. He couldn't coach, he couldn't go into the grounds, he couldn't be seen around. Now, of course, he did under assumed names and all those sort of things, but... The first time he came back to rugby was in 1989 and he was my first coach in Gary Owen and he was just lightning. If ever you saw a guy, he had every reason in the world to be bitter beyond all belief with rugby, but he loved it. And all he wanted to do was run it from everywhere, run and pass, run and pass. And he was just cracking. He was ma- magic and he still had a joy for it all the way to the end. That's pretty a very amazing. sad day. That's a pretty amazing story. Uh, Keith, thanks very much for joining us this evening. Pleasure, gents. Enjoy the games. Um, do you think Munster are going to do it, or um, they can? I don't necessarily think they're going to because you know they they just stopped a run of five losing games yeah. at the weekend with not the best performance in the world. So they it's haven't. hard to be feel incredibly inspired by it. But I, I just have learned, and it's ingrained in me now, is to never ever write them off. And I know this is not the same monster team as years gone by. It's absolutely not. They're starting to look like they can channel a bit more of the but spirit. They can you know? Uh, do, do you know what? Their their fight was back last weekend. The, maybe the skill level weren't. Yeah. But the fight was there, and that's the basis level for how they play and how they have always played. All right, Brian. Great stuff. Uh, a couple of quick texts about um, uh, Joe Schmidt. Don Logue and Claire was the first example. Joe Schmidt got the idea from Davey. He brought in a strong character in Don Logue first. He, he learns from everywhere, Joe, right? 
that's uh, our lot this hour in the next hour we've got the return of the crappy quiz we've got some of our best stuff as well stay tuned off the ball with the newer faster bet DAC app now with cash out and multiples for the Premier League wherever you are from the app store or at betdac.com